0: Medical department only to go to the bench, and we are more than a dozen. We don't train, we only recover. That's the that's situation.
1: Preparation, hard work, confidence in overcoming those difficult moments. Today,
0: we're still outside Liverpool, and we are going to the first part of our medical test.
1: Welcome to this Football Medicine and Performance podcast. I am Andrew Shafiq, a senior editor at the FMPA and your host for today's podcast. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Derek Wright. Derek was a physiotherapist at Newcastle United Football Club for well over 30 years and has recently joined Ain in Saudi Arabia as head of physiotherapy. He has a wealth of experience within football medicine and performance across his time in the Premier League, the Championship and also now in the Middle East. We're absolutely delighted to have Derek joining us today and hopefully discuss some of his key experiences to date across English and football in the Middle East. So welcome to the podcast, Derek. Thank you very much. So do you mind just starting off by telling us a bit about your journey today in football medicine? I originally trained as a remedial gymnast um,
0: after playing football for a short time. Obviously, wasn't good enough as a footballer. Um, trained as a remedial gymnast at Pinderfields, and then physiotherapy. And my first job in football was at Fulham Football Club. Um, that was that was probably, you know, due to the fact that I, I had sort of briefly known the manager then, Malcolm MacDonald, at um, at Arsenal when I was a youngster there. And Malcolm, I think, remembered me from my time at Arsenal and my training and my qualification. And Fred Street, I think, did a little bit of a help in hand as well and get me an interview with Fulham when I was about 23, I think I was 22, 23 year old. So that was my first job. Um, and that was a real, a real sort of eye-opener and a real sort of I would that would great experience really at at such a young age, and um, I was the only physiotherapist at the the football club as well. So it was it was a great experience. I mean, um, great sort of staff and players, and you know the the two or three years I spent at Fulham were invaluable really. So that was my that was my first job in football.
1: That sounds like an absolutely amazing introduction into it. And and tell us a bit about kind of what happened after Fulham and and the journey after that.
0: So after I got the chance to, um, well, I got got contacted by the club doctor at Newcastle, the the great GP called uh, Dr. Beveridge. And he he knew somebody I'd worked with in the health service in the Northeast, knew I was from Newcastle. And it was just a case of would I be interested in coming for an interview and come back home, really. Uh, so the temptation was too much. Got the chance for an interview with um, Jack Charlton, was the first manager. And it was, you know, the it sort of awarded to me then. And I started then in 1984. That was my second job in football and that was the start of the 38 years at Newcastle really so Jack was my first manager and um, yeah that was that was the start of it all and you know there there was a again it was an honour to be asked to go there and it was uh, it was but I, I do you know sort of I was very thankful for my three years at Fulham I must admit great experience.
1: That's brilliant. And I suppose, I mean, you've kind of touched there on the, the, your career and you've got, you know, vast experience in the game. I think it'd be very far and few between to find someone with with your experience, certainly. Do you mind just talking us through a little bit about the change in football medicine throughout your time in the game, as well as at Newcastle United specifically? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I,
0: I trained as a remedial gymnast and I, that was obviously very exercise therapy based a um, lot of rehabilitation, a lot of, you know, we were taught that in, in those days it was called kinesiology, body mechanics, or whatever like that, as part of our training, and the the sort of the the physiotherapy moved into, I would say, a lot of electrotherapy really, in my early days, which was still sort of useful, but I, I stuck to my principles of exercise therapy from that time. And it seemed to come out of electrotherapy, then go into um sort of more manual therapy, and then coming out of manual therapy with a little bit of uh, that still in place, but more, I would say, more rehabilitation, exercise therapy based now, And sort of functional sort of rehabilitation is a big thing. And I think it was – so it's sort of gone a little bit of a full circle, really. So now in the functional rehab bit, I would say probably all the experience that I managed to get and my initial training is is come in handy. And the only thing now is I can't really demonstrate many exercises now at my age. But um, I still – really enjoy that part of the, of the job, I think, is is very important. So it's more sort of functional rehab and exercise therapy-based, which was the case when I first started. So it's gone through three or four different sort of variations, but with a little mix of everything now, but I think exercise and rehab and I think the the sort of the measurement side, the outcome measures, the – the sort of that side of it is very, very important, um, sort of more science-based, I think, which is the way it should be. And, you know, that I think I find that very interesting now and I, I find that very informative and sort of it, it, you can use that, I find, for, you know, sort of talking to the managers and the coaches and, and sort of giving them a few sort of stats to... To sort of go along with at the end of the rehab,
1: really. That's really interesting. You, you, you've kind of spoken a lot about the the science and the and the theory there in relation to to the game, and I suppose what's changed and what's been consistent. But um, how about I suppose as the game's grown, the kind of the members of the MDT within the medical and the performance team. How how have you found the that change over the course of your career?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was the only, I was the only, the only person, or the only sort of medical person at the football club, it certainly at Fulham. And in Newcastle, when I first started, I was the only physio who initially, I did the first team and the reserve team. And so, and we had the, the apprentice footballers, the YTS now or whatever the, and, you know, my job was to sort of oversee their treatment and rehabilitation as well. So it's, you know, now you could, and you could probably fill it with the stuff that you take to an away game. You know, you've you've got. Um, I think good oh, in Newcastle, we ended up with sort of five or six physios just before I left, two or three strength and cognition coaches, two or three sports scientists, two or three soft tissue guys, and you know, even at L.A.N., we. We've got four physios, two soft tissue uh, guys. You know, so the, the the amount of staff, the analysts, everything together is is unbelievable. Really, that that I would say that's the biggest difference. The amount of staff that you've got just keeps does seem to just getting bigger and bigger. Um, I mean, but I, I think that's been very important for the progression in the job. I think it's too much for one person, certainly just nowadays, it just wouldn't work. And it was really, that was becoming apparent even after a few years, we needed another physio, then maybe somebody to help with the soft tissue, maybe the sports, you know, so it's grown over a period of time. And I think most clubs, now, most top clubs will have a big medical staff, as well as sort of analysts and coaching staff as well so that's you know my first job was being taking the warm-ups running back in doing the treatments then doing the massage doing the organization for away games I mean when I think about it now it was just it, it's not ridiculous but I mean it was just it was just too much you know but you did it because that was that was the job
1: so interesting. I suppose it sounds like a jack of all trades and, uh, you know, it's definitely set you up for for what the what the role is, you know, becoming more more focused. I mean, I, I suppose focusing a little bit more specifically on that, in the modern day, the role becoming a bit more musculoskeletal and sports injuries focused. Is there any other yeah. elements that you feel that, you know, that are part of the role now that maybe weren't the case 20, 30 years ago? You know, uh, do you feel that it was more of a component of mental health or what, what kind of elements have have you know changed over the last kind of five to ten years more specifically rather than comparing to to the start of your career
0: well i think the 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 mental health side is very very important but i think you were as a physiotherapist you were probably involved with that i was probably involved that right even 30 40 years ago Mm. without knowing what i was involved with if you know what i mean it was you were a you were a sort of a Confident, and and you were you were there for the players to talk to. You were you were there for sort of a, a little bit of a pastoral sense. And it was a and now when I look back, it was obviously that you were helping with their mental health. Now, if you'd asked me that forty years ago, what I was doing, I was probably just trying to be a a friendly face or a or a somebody that they could confide in, which you know, I certainly wouldn't go and, and breach their confidentiality. the what they said to me stuck really. Um, but now, when I look back, you, you were you were certainly helping with the with the mental health side of things. Um, other things, really, on the treatment side. I mean, treatment in the you know has this sort of been evol- evolved. What interests me a lot is. Um, MSK ultrasound, and you know, I've tried to use the last sort of, or the last few years. You think I was um, just departing, really? When you but the, the the recent years, I would say I've become very interested in in um, MSK ultrasound, and that really does it's it's opened up, even at this late stage in my career, opened up a whole new world of. Things that you know you you see anatomy in a totally different way. You you look at you look at the injuries in a different way, and I think it's the the healing of the injury and the the sort of you, you, your assessment of the injury is just totally. Since I've been doing that, it is given a totally different slant to it, really? And I wish I'd done it. I wish it had been there forty years ago. It probably was there 40 years ago, but I, I certainly didn't do it 40 years ago. But that—that's sort of the education side. I think is still very important for me. I'm nearly 65, but you know, I'm, I'm still—I still read. I'm still interested, and in, and that side of things is, I think you—you—you you, you can never lose. I don't think you should ever lose that, and I think that's kept me. I think certainly kept me going. And I want to learn, still want to learn. I still, I can't see me, I mean, I'll probably retire from football, but I can't see me retiring from physiotherapy on my job, you know. It's it's just, it's something which is, it's inside of me, really. And I've, But I think from a, a professional point of view, I think certainly for me, ultrasound has been a, a massive boost, I think, in interest.
1: It's I'm amazing. not saying I'm at it, but that's, it's certainly been interesting. No, it's amazing to hear. I think a lot would agree, obviously. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to hear for, for the length of your career that even uh, later stages, just what, you know, diagnostic ultrasound and therapeutic uh, use of it uh, and the doors that's opened up and how we can manage athletes differently. Um, I mean, looking, looking, I suppose, at your experience how have things changed in relation to communicating between club and national team? And I suppose managing up this term that we seem to be hearing more often. So kind of, uh, you know, managing, whether that's up communicating with the coaches or with other key stakeholders in the club, how has that kind of changed over time? And are there any kind of key take-homes that you have for for the listeners uh, based on your experience? Well, I think
0: what, what happens is, because you have more staff and more people are involved it's it's more difficult actually to keep up the communication and you and when you when you first start or when I first started and you're on your own, you've got maybe one coach or one manager to deal with and and that's it you know you the doctor the club doctor was part time so the physiotherapist maybe took over the role of the had a medical say in, in those days, and the communication was literally between you and the coach and the manager. Now, I think as more staff have become involved, you know, sort of as the tiers go up as well, I think you're, you are responsible to communicate with um, everybody in your – obviously the the – the multidisciplinary department, and then all of the coaches, the manager, the director of you know the 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 list goes on. But I think you just have to be constantly aware of communication because I think one thing I have found is, and i i tell the the physiotherapists even even now, if a player confides, if a player talks to you about their injury. And, not, and you're the only person that knows about it. That's where it stops. So you need to tell everybody. You need to, in the medical meetings, everybody needs to have a say. Everybody needs to have an opinion. You know, you can have a, yes, the medical meeting every morning is important, but I think you, you need to maybe at the end of the day have a sort of quick get-together um, in case anything's changed. Things are evolving and changing that much, really. And I think, you know, your rehabilitation meetings, your your maybe squad, you, you know, you maybe it sounds as if you're doing meetings to death, but I think you have to have meetings because there's so many of you. I think that's what I've found, is when you there's only one or two of you, you can chat. I could chat to you. We know what we're doing tomorrow, but... If you don't if you've got twelve, fifteen people in your department and you haven't told them, well, it, it just collapses then. So I think, yes, it is a pain sometimes to have so many meetings, but I think you have to, they don't have to be long. I think they just need to go over, go over again what you've maybe talked about in the morning. Right, does everybody agree? That's the thing as well. If you've, you know, you 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 need to always, at the end of it all, have an agreement of what how you're going to go forward with a player or players. I mean, you know, thrash it out in the meeting. Don't have two, you know, two different, three different opinions going to your manager. You have to have one opinion, has to go to the manager from your department. So, if anybody's got anything to say, say it in the meeting. You know, that's that's the way I would say it anyway.
1: It's really interesting. I suppose the, the two key take-homes I'm taking from that is, uh, it's, I think, face-to-face communication, you know, as good as we have all these other forms, and we're very lucky to do so in the modern day and age, uh, you know, there's nothing better than, than face-to-face communication. And certainly having everything said in, in the team meeting and agreed for that unique kind of uh, medical team opinion to be communicated with the manager and for everyone to, to back it is really, really crucial as well. So really good take homes there, I think, for our listeners. I suppose the, the last thing I just want to end on, um, obviously we mentioned in the intro you've recently moved to the Middle East in a in a role, um in a new role, uh and having spent a long time in England, it'd be interesting to hear kind of your thoughts on the differences of medical practice um from your experience across your time in England com- comparing to, to the Middle East. And I suppose Certain strengths that that each could learn, so that England could learn from the Middle East and vice versa. Yeah, I think um, the biggest shock to the system. I think it was the training,
0: training times, um, which I've mentioned to you before. The you know the um, the routine would be to go in the morning as a physiotherapist and do any treatments and rehabilitation then, but your training might not start till um 7:30 at night. So by the time I'm getting home at 10:30, 11 o'clock at night, then you're back in the morning the next day. So the, the only time you you have is the few hours between the morning session and the training session. Now then you've got to, you know, go home, have a little bit of a rest maybe have lunch, and then go back in. So that it's a totally different sort of routine, and it's taken some getting used to, I must admit. Um, and I'm not sure how it would be for family life. I've got my, my family's back home at the moment. My I have fortunately got an eldest boy who works and lives in Abu Dhabi, so I do manage to see him. On occasion, um, with being in LA, and so that's been one of the bonuses. But the the rest of my family are back in Newcastle, um, so I think that you have to commit. I've, I've I've signed a year's contract, and I think you have to commit just to get your head down and work basically. Um, there is a little bit of a gap, so this weekend I've had a weekend off which has been great really so you can get a lot of things organized but i think the the biggest difference is the is probably the training and routine now as far as physiotherapy goes the the the, the thing we we are quite pleasingly i think we are quite advanced in england and and i think we we should sort of pat ourselves on the back as well the way we do things now, our staff at the minute we've got myself, we've got a Dutch physio, a Brazilian physio, an argentinian physio Ukrainian soft tissue specialist, and an an Egyptian soft tissue specialist so um we've got a whole mixture of nationalities but but luckily, we all managed to work together and get on and there's different opinions and But I would say that the way of doing things probably um, they're very similar to to where we do things now. I think there's just maybe little differences which I've sort of tried to. And again, I think it's probably from the organizational point of view, making sure we're organized, making sure we communicate. You have to be prepared, and I think you know the that's the one thing I've tried to make sure that we all do is make sure we're prepared and organized. And I think even if there's little sort of differences in the way we treat people, as long as the outcome is the same, you know, so I think for me, it's just been the, the routine, which has probably been that little bit different Um, and the coaching staff are Dutch as well. So it's, it's, you know, I think that, the dutch are for me they're quite similar to us and i I think the the routines or their training methods have been very similar to, to back home really so so far it's been hard work but it's been been a great experience great life experience so i would say if you have the opportunity yes do it but i think the just expect a different routine really i think that's that's
1: what I would say. And that's a great take home, I think, to to end on. Derek, thank you very, very much for joining us today. I know we've wanted to get you on the podcast for, for a long time, um, and it's an absolute privilege to have you on and for the listeners to kind of learn from a vast array of experience that, that you have across across the globe. Um, Listeners, if you enjoyed today, please subscribe to the FMPA on our Spotify, SoundCloud or Apple podcast accounts where you can reach all of our podcasts. Alternatively, our podcasts are also available for free via the podcast section on the FMPA website. You've been listening to the Football Medicine and Performance Podcast. Have a great day.